0: Welcome to Rethinking Humanity Interviews. I'm Lacey Delane.
1: Hi, I'm Sonia Larea.
0: And Happy Valentine's Day, everybody! Ah!
1: Yeah. Happy Valentine's <laughs> it's the day. day! How do you do the heart there, Lacey?
0: Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, look oh, this! Victor has a little surprise for us. Ah!
1: Oh.
0: <laughs> Slap you in the oh, face with so look. cute! I know,
1: it's great! <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's kind of a special day. Honestly, I, I'm not a big Valentine's person or yeah. holidays person, but you know, it's fun for
1: content. Yeah. Right? Yes, exactly. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, of course, our theme, guys, this month is love. And today we have Vivica Volt of the Fun Time program. We're going to bring her in in just a little bit to talk to you about love and a different approach to relationships, which I think is fascinating. Um, I'm really excited to make the connection between these ideas and the philosophy behind them. And Sonia, um, I think this is something that you're excited to, to learn more yeah, about. Yeah,
1: I am. I'm kind of the person that doesn't know anything here. So I'm going to be asking Vivica all sorts of questions. <laughs> learning. Okay. I'm a learning person. So for anybody out there that has no clue, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm that one.
0: <laughs> I know just a little bit, uh, but we'll we'll get into that more. How are you, Sonia? We're not in Atl- in the same city right now, so I haven't. No, seen
1: you. you're in the warm weather. Um, I here, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Atlanta. It's um, it's cool, rainy, but it's all good, you know. Went and mm-hmm. had a coffee. Um, hitting all the coffee places here. Mm-hmm. I know you've got your special place that you go to. Uh, went to a dog park. Uh-huh. Uh, early this morning. So that was fun.
2: That's um,
1: fun. Yeah. Seeing all the animals, you know, it, you watch them run around and you're like, I want to be like them just free spirited. You know, they're just hanging. And as humans, we like take everything so seriously. So we have to lighten it up the mood here
0: (laughs) yeah what were there any dogs there like specific breeds that you saw oh
1: yeah there's all kinds of there's the doodles there's the little ones the you know like um labs it's just it's fun to watch them i mean they are in the moment right they're just going they're going they're playing Mm. It, it, it brings a smile to your face to see to see those puppies.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's like uh, they're just living in the being mode of existence. Exactly,
1: that's exactly yeah. what I was gonna say. Yeah, yes. <laughs> I,
0: I actually did an interview yesterday with Joshua of the New Progressive Voice. Uh-huh. Um, it's gonna come out later this week, but we talked a lot about the being mode of existence and we were talking about being present in the moment. And so that that reminds me of that. That's yeah. dumb, they don't have, they don't, it's natural. Yeah. I know
1: and and they have fun and you know what makes me think like if there's music the dogs like run around if there's you know they don't care how they look they're not checking (laughs) themselves out in the mirror
0: yes (laughs) you know
1: they're just playing they're playing and so we could we could learn from them yeah
0: for sure for sure yes I love dogs I don't know Mm -hmm. if but I definitely think they're precious they're
1: fun yeah yeah
0: yeah. Ah, well, good. Well, I'm uh, as some of you know, I'm in Guatemala. Um, super enjoying my time here. I used to live here, and um, it's really warm here right now. <laughs> and honestly, I was like, I'm just gonna like be a a snowbird right now and go down where it's warmer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and focus on building the podcast even more. And so that's been great. And um, if you want to hear more about that. We started a new little spinoff called Rethinking Humanity Travel Chronicles, and we've done a couple of episodes already. So check that out if you want to hear more about what's going on here. Um, In the last episode, talked a little bit about the dark side of Guatemala, um, which is Mm -hmm. interesting. Of course, no, obviously no culture is perfect. Um, I love this place because of the sunshine and the mountains, but there's definitely things that are not the greatest about it. And also I talk a little bit about how they're handling COVID which oh, is cool. surprisingly that's good, fun. actually. Wow. Yeah, that's awesome. so that's wonderful, yeah. Uh, all right, Sonia, we have, well, Son- we have a video of Sonia that's special. Okay. to
1: that show you. Okay, I gotta say this. <laughs>
0: are you ready? All
1: right. I'm ready.
0: Nice. I know, <laughs> uh, are you mad about something? Get that aggression out. Yeah, look at that.
1: <laughs> cool. See how fun that is? <laughs> yeah, you could, I could just keep doing it. You
0: know, I know. And then if you get some music on.
1: Oh, yeah, you could just be partying, partying. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Okay. I'm impressed. That was the first time to let everybody know that I did that. Uh-huh. That was the first time, and I did not I did okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, what did you think? I mean, what were you mm-hmm. thoughts on the Quiet Punch?
1: No, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. And I, was, I kept thinking it was going to be like a ball. You know, like not the square for some reason in my head, you know, when you t- think of a typical punching ball and right. um, no, it was, it, it was a blast. So I say everybody check it out. Yeah. I, I brought fun. it with
0: me to Guatemala. And you start put with,
1: it, yeah. Yeah.
0: Oh, sorry. Yeah. You guys, I'm sorry if I'm stepping no, over. No no, you I was there. Just saying,
1: no, no, no. I was yeah. just saying you uh, definitely feel your heart going up and you feel like you're getting a workout, like in the first 30 seconds there, you know?
0: It's amazing how much um, yeah. punching, boxing, kickboxing is a workout. It's yes, it doesn't take long, and you're like your heart rate's up and you're burning yeah. calories, and you feel really good too.
1: It's cool because it's portable. I love it. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I brought it down yeah. here with me. So uh, if you're interested, check it out quietpunch.com. Um, use the code Rethinking Humanity at checkout, you get 10% off. Uh, and we um you know receive some support from uh from that too so that's awesome check that out and uh yeah and I apologies. I you know the last couple of episodes I feel like the Wi-Fi hasn't been as good as it has been down here. So like I'm if I'm speaking over anybody today it's not because I'm rude
1: <laughs>
0: because of the Wi Fi. Okay. Yes. Uh Sonia, what else before we bring in Vivica? We have something big coming,
1: Yes, oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. gotta tell everybody without yeah. giving this away, mm-hmm. mark on your calendars. April third. It will be a day to remember we are beyond excited. Mm-hmm. That show's gonna be off the charts. So I'm telling you, yeah, put it on the calendar. Rethinking Humanity, April third.
0: Yes, we've left some clues on our Instagram at Rethinking Humanity to let you know what's going on and we'll give you more clues as we get closer to April 3rd. But uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter as well. If you have feedback, Rethinking Humanity Podcast at Gmail, we'd love to hear from you. So it is time for us to get to the the content for today. I wanna bring in uh, Vivica Volt, the co-host of the Fun Time Program. Welcome. Hello, hey, no. welcome. No. <laughs> How are you this morning?
2: I am lovely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you today.
0: Yay! We're excited to have you.
2: Oh my god, I feel like we're going to have such a great conversation. Absolutely, we're talk about all kinds of great things.
1: <laughs> for the our people that don't know, um, tell us about your podcast.
2: So the fun time program is a podcast where we talk about all kinds of fun things that interest uh, us. So my co-host, John Andrew Fredrickson and I talk about race. We talk about politics. We talk about sex. We talk about all kinds of uh, things. We talk about current events, anything that we find interesting in the moment. Uh, We'll either have special guests on who are experts in the field or we'll do deep dives ourselves and look into topics that, again, just really fascinate us. Um, we just recently had an astrophysicist on to talk about the different, um, land, like the different Mars landings and, uh, that are happening this month. So there's like the China landing. There's the, uh, I want to say the ESA is landing, uh, Rover. There's all these cool, like lander missions that are happening. So we were able to talk to her about that. Um, so we talk about everything. Wow. Come check it us out the fun time called. program.
1: Yeah, I've seen it. You cover a wide range of topics, which is
2: awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love that. It's awesome. We had Lacey on a few, yeah. uh, a couple of months ago, talking about UBI and Yang Gang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, stuff. but
0: I'm I, I'm always fascinated when I listen to the podcast because I'm like, wow. I mean, the depth that you guys go into with certain with certain of your podcast, and then you know the different the variety of content is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love it.
1: I yeah. Love it.
2: Basically, John and I are just ADHD as shit and we both <laughs> have a uh, wide variety of interests and wide variety of topics that we want to talk about. So we couldn't just figure out a way to narrow it down to just like one thing or two things. So we were like, mm. fuck it. Let's take the radio lab approach and talk about everything, but as we do so, we make sure that we are talking about it from an informed point of view. Mm -hmm. Um, And we give as much information around the topic as we can.
0: Yeah. Well, and part of the reason why we wanted you to come on is uh, I listened to one of your episodes, um, the one on kink, which was one of the ones you're talking about, deep dive. Yes. This is so interesting and it's so approachable. It's so easy to understand. I think there's a lot of stigma around talking about sex and sexual things. And so I think it's good for us to remove that, you know, and, and by doing it. And I think you did a really great job of, of that, uh, with your podcast. And so that was part of why we were like, let's have Vivica on, you know? Well, thank you
2: so much. That means a lot to me. The kink episode is a personal baby of mine. That was like one of the ones that I insisted we do. And it was my birthday episode. So I was like extra, extra all about it. And really that was just me talking off the cuff about one of my favorite topics. So that one was, uh, Personal to
1: my heart. (laughs) Well, I'm excited you're here. So, I am a person who's kind of clueless. I I didn't listen to the kink episode, which I'm going to go back and listen to.
2: Perfect. I
1: want to start the program by asking you, Vivica, to define, Mm -hmm. I guess, for our listeners and for me, um, polyamory and sort of looking at sexuality in a different way Mm -hmm. and just, you know, take it away from there and. In, inform the uninformed there are other people who probably know what we're talking about but that'd be great if you could start from the
2: 101 <laughs> absolutely okay so the 101 is actually not polyamory it's ethical non-monogamy okay and that's the term that not a lot of people know but you can Ooh. pretty much figure out what we're talking about when we say ethical non-monogamy um and that's the umbrella term that covers all different forms of open relationships because not all open relationships fall under the category of polyamory but all open relationships fall under the category of ethical non-monogamy if you're trying to do it right (laughs) okay so that's a restart um and ethical non-monogamy uh is really just looking at a relationship and saying i want to be with more than one person how can I do this in a way that is not going to hurt the other people that I'm interacting with, mm-hmm. right? Um, Polyamory takes that and says, I want to have relationships with oh, multiple people. Um, and that could be, I want to have multiple romantic relationships. So that's where you get the poly and the amorous. So mm. multiple loves, um, or you can have multiple sexual relationships but be emotionally monogamous with someone. Mm. Um, So being emotionally monogamous is saying, all right, I'm putting my emotional investment and I'm being vulnerable with this one person, but I'm being sexually open and sexually available for other people. Um, So that's also technically considered polyamory as well, um, but it's really finding a balance of what works for each individual a uh, person that's engaging in ethical non-monogamy.
0: This sounds a little bit to me like destroying the idea that um, one person can fulfill all of another person's needs and, and should and has to. <clears throat> I think speaking a little bit to um, maybe why ethical non-monogamy I think could help some of our listeners too, mm-hmm. so. <clears throat> Let's, t- let's jump into that a little bit,
2: too. Oh, a thousand percent. So the why of ethical monogamy I know that like society tells us that you have that one soulmate, that one person that you are going to be destined to spend the rest of your life with, right? Well, fuck that. That is so difficult to find. And on top of that, it's so difficult to find someone that can you can actually put all of your eggs in that one basket without ending up with a spoiled omelet, right? So you mm-hmm. want a situation where all of your needs are being met, but finding one person to meet to meet every single one of those needs is so fucking difficult. You might as well just go out and climb a mountain for funsies. Like, they're just, <laughs> they're huge mountains to cross, right? Mm-hmm. But the same way that we have multiple friends and multiple friends of ours be, fit into different places in our lives? Why can't we have multiple relationships that are romantic relationships that fulfill different needs in our lives, right? So for me personally, I've been polyamorous for about seven years now, and actually probably more, <laughs> probably closer to like eight or nine, but we'll say seven just as, as a baseline. Because so seven years, I've for sure been polyamorous. Um, and the way that it's changed things for me because I grew up as like, I'm gonna be monogamous. I'm gonna find the one guy that I'm gonna marry and we're gonna have kids and we're gonna have a white picket fence and maybe a dog, maybe a cat. Like we're gonna live in suburbia. It's gonna be amazing, right? Like that was the vision that I grew up with. But I knew that I was bisexual from a young age. Um, And growing up, knowing that I was bisexual, I was trying to find ways to go around that. Like, okay, well, I want to have sex with women, but I don't want to cheat because I don't want to be like a shitty partner. So Mm -hmm. maybe I can find a guy who's willing to have threesomes, right? Um, Mm -hmm. But then as I got older, I realized that, oh shit, I can just date these women and date these men as long as I let them know ahead of time Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. what I'm doing. Um, And then it takes the pressure off because let's say I want to have a partner who plays video games with me all day and goes on adventures with me and is willing to bike with me and like wants to go hiking with me, but also wants to hang out and watch movies. That's really difficult to find someone who's going to encapsulate all of those different facets of me. And I recognize that. So instead I can have one partner who loves video games, one partner who loves hiking, one partner who loves biking. And I can do all of those things and enjoy my time with each of those individual people. And spread my needs out to different people. So no one feels weighted down by my needs. And I don't feel weighted down by anyone else's needs, but I can support and uplift them in my presence and with my attention and time. Mm.
0: Interesting, you know, I first um, started to become open to this idea and to, to think about it as, you know, like an option and something that, and realizing that it's a, you know, an alternative, way to do relationships after I read a book called Sex at Dawn by Christopher Ryan. Mm -hmm. The book um, talks about basically how we're not naturally monogamous as a species. And he uses a lot Mm -hmm. of research um, and Mm -hmm. talks a lot about, um, you know, uh, life during hunter-gatherer societies and how things were very egalitarian. There was no context for property at that point. right? So it wasn't like um, someone would be thought of as like, that's my husband, or my boyfriend, or, you know, mm-hmm. the person. The only, I'm only having sex with this person. And right. so even to the point of like, he says in there that they used to believe that if you wanted to have like, um, they you, they believed in like, collective, how does that? I, I don't know what the phrase is. But basically, if you wanted a kid that was smart, and, and
2: strong, childbearing, do what? Like collective child-rearing or community child-rearing? but
0: that. But what I'm saying is the woman has sex with the guy that's really smart and the guy that mm-hmm. is really muscular and blah, 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 if she wants mm-hmm. all those. So it's like a collective, um, it's the collection of the semen that makes right. the the child, basically. That's what they thought in some mm-hmm. of these older um, pre, pre-agricultural societies.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Um, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, the human species isn't naturally monogamous. Um, We didn't evolve to be monogamous. We actually evolved to be polyamorous because uh, being in a community, when we were in the hunter-gatherer societies that you just mentioned, it made sense for the communities to raise Mm -hmm. a child. So it didn't matter. Who that child's father was. We knew who the child's mother was because the child came out of her, but it didn't matter who the father was because everyone in the community raised all of the kids together. So there was no possession. Possession only came about when women were being sold through marriage, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and marriage yeah. came about as a business deal. Um, yeah. And women were part of the property. That's where they came with the dowry, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. So, It was a business exchange. And that's where monogamy came from, that original business exchange, which came, again, from capitalism and a lot from patriarchy. So you have a system that wasn't designed around any sort of uh, natural evolution of our species, but it's being forced upon us. And society has forced that even more because, of course, in order to make a marriage worth anything to make the dowry worth anything to make this whole ceremony worth anything the entire society has to feed back into that and say okay this is a tradition we're going to keep up because it benefits all of us Right. right right so now present day we find that system isn't benefiting us anymore that system benefits a minority at this point and most people find themselves quite unhappy in monogamy but they don't really know why and they find themselves cheating more often than they would like to they find themselves wishing that like maybe things had been different and maybe if I had just like gone out with that guy in high school or maybe if I just called that girl one last time and you know I think that one like barista was flirting with me and maybe I should give her my number and you know (laughs) I I just I just want to feel sexy again I want to feel valued again and Mm -hmm. because you fall into these ruts and these patterns with long-term partners you lose out on that new relationship energy that like honeymoon feeling and you start feeling unfulfilled and if there's not a proper amount of communication within the relationship a communication uh, a relationship can wither and die from a lack of communication. And then you have these partners who are saying, well, I'm determined to make this a long-term thing. I'm determined to be in this for the long haul. There's kids involved. There's a ring involved. There's whatever involved. But at the end of the day, my needs aren't being met. I'm not being fulfilled. I don't know how I can possibly be a good partner to you because I'm not having my needs met. And I'm stuck. And that stuck feeling leads to, oh, well, you know, my my coworker, she looks so cute and she looks so happy and free and she's always flirting with me and, you know, she just makes me feel young again. And next thing you know, you have this disastrous uh, divorce that was caused by an infidelity that could have easily been solved by talking to your partner about your needs not being met.
1: Yeah. Um, All right. No, I absolutely, I got to jump in here. I love what you're saying. Let me, let me tell you what I... I I definitely agree that, um, oh, we all froze, I think. (laughs) I was saying that the whole idea of the marriage white picket fence is bullshit. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And and the sad part about this, okay, so everything you say, I agree with. This idea that the one person you're going to find is going to fulfill you. No, that's completely wrong, too. Unfortunately, it's a narrative that's been sold through media, through TV, through literature. And even in, within families, uh, even right. through a religion, um, right. th- that's kind of where I'm thinking is that you get that challenge when you're stepping out of the box and trying to do live differently, right. then you need a society that's gonna support that.
2: Mm-hmm. For instance,
1: you're talking about the collective, uh, Lacey brought it up, you did. I mean, you do need a village to raise a child. So the yeah. idea that you're gonna have multiple people around is awesome. Yes. Um, what I would dr- like to drill down a little more to when I think about this is also trust, mm-hmm. having partners that you could trust and also yeah. sort of having a person and listening to you talk, Vivica, I see someone who's kind of evolved where some of us, some people out there, I'm not going to name names, but just they're not evolved. So my fear would be, how are they going to behave? in these environments do you see what i'm saying like maybe it looks good on paper but they go out there and they do bad stuff or whatever i I have to i have to go back to vivica's examples because i love them of being like at the starbucks or at um i don't know some random place and i i'm just gonna i i'm gonna throw the guys under the bus for a minute the minute (laughs) Oh no! <laughs> right as yeah. he throws the menu under the bus, tip. She wants a tip. That's <laughs> coming you, back. Are you stupid! Start over. Start I over. Said, I, the I said thing. the minute the guys and I have done experiments with this with all age groups. By the way, they could be old, young. The minute a woman pays attention to them, and I mean, it just be the waitress just you know being nice. Mm-hmm. The Doing guy the thinks she wants me, or I, you know, I can hook yeah. up with her. I'm like, what the? She's available to me. Exactly. And I'm just exactly what you're saying. Any little like wink, nod, they take it to the bank. It's it's hysterical.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that also uh, feeds back into the toxic uh, masculinity and uh, toxic rape culture that is also fed to us through the narrative of the media. Right. So the narrative of media is a woman wants to say yes but doesn't, so she'll just keep saying no until you tester her. Look at the notebook which is lauded as one of the greatest love stories of all time. That motherfucker stalks the hell out of that woman to death. He literally stalks her to the fucking grave. Like (laughs) that shit is creepy as fuck. And that's lauded as one of, the like most romantic movies. And oh my God, he was willing to do anything for her. She said no to him every day for a fucking year. And he was like, nah, I'm not taking that no. Nah, I'm not taking that no. I'm gonna keep showing up. (laughs) <laughs> and so finally she was like, fine, I'll say yes if you just go the fuck away. And yeah. next thing you know, he never went the fuck away. So This yeah. woman was never able to have a single woman of, moment of peace for the rest of her life because this dude stalked her to the grave. But that's the romance that we're sold. That's the love story that we're supposed to aspire to. And that's disgusting to me. Um, that's unhealthy to me. That's codependency. Um, and... There's absolutely bad actors in the ethical non-monogamy uh, world, and I'm not saying that just because you engage mm-hmm. in ethical non-monogamy that you're perfect or that you're above mm-hmm. like anything. You haven't. It's just a matter of deciding that monogamy doesn't work for me, and I don't want to continue hurting other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a smart thing to say.
0: Yeah, take self-awareness to figure that out, and right, and dirty too.
1: Right. Uh, what
2: about uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? Oh, fuck Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is literally one of the worst examples of BDSM that is wow. uh, in the narrative. Everything about their relationship. Christian Grey is an abuser. A wow. fucking abuser. Yeah. Through and through. Any professional dominatrix, anyone yeah. who has spent any time in the BDSM community will tell you that is a terrible example of BDSM <laughs> and is 100% an example of, of of an abusive relationship, but also an yes. overly controlling relationship. Yeah, I say,
0: Controlling as hell, man.
2: No part of her interaction with him could be consensual because she did not have the information to have informed consent. Mm-hmm. So when she was signing that document of saying, I am signing away my rights to say no, and I'm agreeing to all of these things, this contract that she was signing, she was a virgin as she signed it. So Mm -hmm. she had no context to say, I'm willing to do anal because she's never done anal. (laughs) I'm willing to be tied up. How does she know she likes that if she's never tried it, if she's never done it in a healthy environment, she has Mm -hmm. no idea she likes this. So how can she give consent for something she doesn't even know if she likes it? She could be tied up and immediately have a panic attack, but because she signed this fucking contract, she can't say no now. She can't call a safe word. That's abuse. That is abuse. I fucking hate Fifty Shades of Grey and I could go on an entire rant about it. So I will absolutely end that rant here, but like, no, fuck that To your point, the
1: reason I bring that up is that I remember when it came out, it was a phenomenon and I read a lot and, and first 10 pages like, this is trash, this is horrible. But what I found interesting, what did women pull from that? They're thinking it's like about their sexuality. It's not, like you said, it's about power, but then they made a movie about mm-hmm. this older group of women who go to they do a book club mm-hmm. and they're reading 50 shades of gray and it's like ooh, They're like opening their minds. I'm like this is horrible horrible mm-hmm. horrible because all right. of, across the spectrum the message is bad Yes, yeah. yes, and I'm glad um, that you you validated that for me <laughs> it's so bad and also
2: it's really unfortunate because That shows how many people, and women specifically, how many women Mm. specifically want to get into BDSM. They want to get into kink. They want to learn more about it. But because our society shames them for having any interest or having any agency in their sexuality whatsoever, they Mm. have to resort to romance novels. They have to resort to things that are societally acceptable. And Fifty Shades of Grey was societally acceptable because the men liked it enough to allow the women to like it. And it's because it allowed the men to continue their abuse, to continue their control and to point at that and say, oh, you want a contract just like Dorian Gray, or Christian Gray? Yes, yeah, I'm absolutely gonna write shit into this contract that you're not gonna like later, but you're gonna say yes now because you don't know better. And That's also where it comes back to, if you're going to engage in, and I know this is completely a side tangent, but if you're going to engage in BDSM, if you're going to engage in kink, you really wanna do so uh, having done the research and having done uh, any sort of like preliminary looking into it to make sure that you know what your boundaries are, that you are practiced at saying no, and that you feel safe with the person that you're playing with and know that they are going to respect your no, no matter when you say it.
0: Yes this is a, big, this is Sorry, a big, I just had to go on that like
1: thank you like,
2: thank you to be said. <laughs> no.
0: Yes. I no, I I'm, we're so here for this, dude. This is this is actually something that in our initial conversation, Vivica really stood out to me because I think folks who hear the podcast uh regularly know how much I advocate for self-awareness and effective communication and how important that is. And what you're saying right now is, hey, uh, Fifty Shades of Grey is some BS because there was none of that. There was no communication. There's no respect. There's no ability for the female to say no. And so what I but but what I love about doing this in a healthy way from what I've learned from you is that actually it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of effective communication, which. Uh, newsflash, that's pretty damn healthy. And, you know, I think I'd love for you to speak to that and then maybe afterwards speak to the fact that maybe that doesn't happen nearly as much in a monogamous relationship um, as it does in polyamorous or ethical non-monogamy.
2: Oh, a thousand percent. Communication was going to be my very next, like, <laughs> tirade. <'Cause> there <laughs> is nothing more communicate or nothing more Important in a relationship than communication. And one of the things that being polyamorous has taught me is not only the importance of communication, but the type of communication that needs to be had. Because you can talk to your partner about shallow, surface level things every fucking day and not have your needs be met. Um, It's a matter of being able to have uncomfortable conversations and come out of it with a mutual understanding of how you're going to move forward, right? So it shouldn't just be, I'm going to talk at you, I'm going to talk at you, I'm going to talk at you, and then it's in one ear, out the other, and nothing changes, right? You want to be able to say, hey, something isn't quite right. I'm feeling insecure in our relationship. I feel like my needs aren't being met here. I feel like I'm struggling. I need your help. Can you like sit down with me? Can we talk about this? Can we find a solution to this together, Mm -hmm. right? And in a lot of monogamous relationships, there are a lot of assumptions being made. There are uh, a lot of um, unspoken rules that people feel like they need to adhere to. Um, One of the first being, well, if we start sleeping together, that automatically means that we're exclusive and that automatically means that we're a thing. Um, even before that's discussed, even before that's uh, like put on the table, that's already an assumption within monogamy. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that being polyamorous has showed me how to have these communications in a way, how to be, uh, have radical candor, how how to put myself aside and say, okay, right now i'm really fucking angry i'm gonna say shit i don't want to say right now let me take a step back let me take a couple days to breathe let me address this in a healthy way let me like do the soul searching i need to do to address the problem in a way that's going to allow for the outcome that i want um instead of starting another fight um and to have a partner who's willing to listen and to be able to have that same level of communication, be willing to have that same level of respect, to walk, like sit at a table and say, fuck, this is not easy right now. And I'm really fucking mad at you. I'm really fucking upset with you right now, but okay, how can we fix this? And how can we move forward? And how can we keep this from becoming a larger issue? Um, and i think that because uh, i have to have that conversation with so many people all at once um not only to make sure that my other partners are okay with our personal relationship but are okay with the relationships that i have with other people as well and make sure that like i'm not talking about my other partners too much around them or i'm not spending too much time with my other partners and neglecting someone to like continue to check in with all of my different partners and to make sure that their needs are being met as much as I can meet those needs and to make sure that every part of my needs in the relationship are being met so that I don't feel insecure and they don't feel insecure. Having that conversation over and over again, all the fucking time uh, has given me the practice to be able to have that conversation with people who I'm not dating, to have that conversation with friends, to have that conversation with coworkers, Um, to be able to have that open communication to say, I don't have time to bullshit you. Here's what's going on. Here's where I think we need to work on things. Here's how I think we can move forward. Here's how I want to approach this. I wanna hear your thoughts. I wanna collaborate on this decision together. I want to be able to move forward on this together. How can we do this, right? Um, So yeah, I think being able to have those conversations and have the practice of having those conversations over and over again is the main benefit that I've personally seen from polyamory, um, especially because I've been able to, again, practice. And I I fucked up plenty of times. I'm nowhere near perfect. I've said shit that I don't wanna say. I've been jealous. I've come out of my face (laughs) and like done shit that I absolutely regretted later and had to apologize for later and had to, reevaluate where my place was in a relationship. And being able to have that self evaluation has been so invaluable to me moving forward that it has been able to be the first marker of whether or not a relationship is going to be healthy moving forward is if, if we can maintain that level of communication.
1: So let me ask you, love the communication part. Obviously that's important for any relationship pre going into a polyamorous relationship do you have sit down i mean set boundaries what's the process to getting there you know i mean just you know again you meet someone or how how do you get to from point a to b
2: so are you asking how do you like how do you start a polyamorous relationship from a relationship that's already established or how are you are you asking how do you start a relationship from zero to polyamory? Oh, probably the first, the first question. Okay. So how do you open up an already established monogamous relationship? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the first thing that I would do is I would recommend the gold standard book Mm -hmm. of, uh, non-monogamy and it's called the ethical slut. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) uh, I think we have uh, possibly a picture of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think think, yes, we do. Oh, okay. So this (laughs) This is is (laughs) in love. Um, I absolutely recommend this as, like, one of the secondary things that you should read. Um, Insecure in Love is really great about uh, helping you decide, like, helping you address your own insecurities and jealousies. Um, cool. ethical, the Ethical Slut is phenomenal, phenomenal, talking about polyamory, open relationships, and all the different type of relationship styles that you're going to come across, and how to handle different hiccups that you're going to come across as you're opening these relationships, um, different things that you should be considering uh, before you open a relationship, things that you should be considering as you're opening relationships, um, and things like different ways that you can talk to your partner and address things um, with your partner in a way that feels open and uh, not attacking or uh not pushing any agenda one way or another, just kind of researching it and seeing is this actually right for us, right? Um, And also deciding why you're opening the relationship in the first place uh, Mm -hmm. is a really great way of easing yourself into it. Are you opening the relationship because you think that's going to save the relationship? Because I can tell you it's not. If you're opening the relationship to save a relationship, you need to end that relationship because opening the relationship, unless both partners are 100% gung ho and have been wanting this for a while and haven't been able to address it. And they've both been simmering on this, which is in the 1% of relationships, right? Like, that's really rare that both partners actually want to open a relationship. It's usually one partner wants to open a relationship because they feel like their needs aren't being fulfilled. And the other partner really doesn't.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And if that's the case,
1: yeah, that's it. But that, that books, the books seem that they would be awesome to read no matter where you're at because of the topics they're addressing. Like yes. the communication, open yes. you know, the love and sex and all of that,
2: I think would be really important. Yes, so the ethical slut is fantastic. Even if you aren't going to open your relationship, even if you decide, you know what, fuck this, this isn't for me, right? It really talks about the benefits of monogamy versus the benefits of ethical non-monogamy, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, there are benefits to both. And uh, cool. Some people, Genuinely do better in monogamy, and I'm not saying that ethical non-monogamy should be the standard across the board, right? Yeah. Some people genuinely are monogamous and are very, very happy in their monogamy.
0: Right. Right.
2: If you are one of those people, fuck yeah, more power to you. Yeah. And I am so excited for well, you. Yes. You should still read the ethical slide. Yeah, that's, I want to. I want to read it. I want to read yeah. it. You got me. You got like, me. Hello. I, um, I, um, it's, fucking amazing and also another really great book um, that i would absolutely recommend if you're looking to open your relationship or even just considering if this might be right for you is a book called more than two and it also talks about um yep there we go more than two a practical a practical guide to ethical polyamory you're Um, awesome
0: victor (laughs)
2: Thank you, Victor. Um, So, yeah, it's fantastic because, again, it shows the benefits of polyamory, but, again, talks about those hiccups, talks about the pitfalls, talks about the things that you're going to have to look out for um, if you're trying to open a relationship and also just if this is the right path for you. It gives you a lot of information that you need to say, oh, maybe this is something that I could my feet and I may I might be able to stick my pinky toe in like yeah. maybe the water is fine. Um and it, it shows you that it I mean polyamory in general gets a bad rap. And a lot of people misunderstand polyamory as polygamy. Um mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and I think that we might need to like have a quick
1: uh <laughs> like do it. definition.
2: Do it. Um, yeah define please yeah, yeah. So the, de- the difference between polyamory and polygamy is polygamy is one person having a harem of <laughs> yeah. people. And that
1: Poly- one person is usually a guy, right?
2: <laughs> usually, not always, but usually, okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. So it's one person having a harem of other humans, usually okay. of the opposite sex. Um, usually of like, it's usually a heteronormative um, mm-hmm. situation so it doesn't usually allow for a lot of gender diversity um, which you know if it's gonna be transphobic then yeah. maybe it's not great uh, yeah. but that's divergence uh, yeah. because you can actually have polygamy and have it be gender-inclusive but I just haven't really seen too many examples you <laughs> talk <Utah>. mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Then <laughs> you have polyamory which says I am going to date multiple other people And I am very open to you also dating other people. And I encourage you to date other people and see other people. And we can touch base as to whether or not uh, our extraneous relationships are putting a strain on our personal relationship. But otherwise, I I, I expect that you are going to have relationships outside of me. I want you to have relationships outside of me because I'm going to be doing the same.
0: So I want to touch on on this and touch on the philosophy of this a little bit or kind of the theme of our podcast because I think um, you know, we've we talk a lot about how important it is to have community um and to to and how how limited we are really with our interactions and how limited our culture and society has caused us to be with regards to these types of interactions. And so I think it's very, I really like the idea that we are respecting each other in a situation like this and saying, I want what's best for you. If you want to be with someone else, be with somebody else. And that doesn't mean that I'm not good enough or I'm rejected or whatever. It just means that, you know, we all are different and we have different interests and needs and Mm -hmm. human beings. We love variety. And I think that, you know, we need that we need community and variety. Yeah. And so I think this is an another this is an example of a way um, that we can have that. Uh, it's another way that we can do that. And I think it also points to kind of, you know, how we lived previous to to agriculture and property and, and all that.
2: Absolutely. Um, it's actually funny that you mentioned community because I have found such a home in the sex-positive community, and the sex-positive community includes uh, people who are into kink, people who are into BDSM, um, people who are polyamorous, people who are LGBTQ, Um, it includes the wide spectrum of people, and it's people who are saying, I'm not going to shame you for talking about sex, I'm not going to shame you for having sex. I'm not going to shame you for sex work. I'm going to uplift you and encourage you and respect your decisions as long as you're being safe and ethical in those decisions. And having that community behind me to say, hey, yeah, we're all polyamorous, but this behavior is still fucked up is really fucking great because it tells you, it keeps you Uh, humble. It keeps you on the right track. It also allows you to grow and allows you to feel respected and feel uplifted within your community, right? And feel supported, really. And having that support of like-minded people um, who are encouraging you, uplifting you, supporting you, and wanting you to be your best self and able to educate you and mentor you and tell you, hey, when I was your age, and I was polyamorous, and I was doing this, I was dating a bunch of people. And here's where I fucked up. And you know, if you if you see this coming, watch out for this red flag. And you know, if you date this one guy, this one guy's kind of trash, watch out for this, right? Like, you have this accountability within the community. Um, that's kind of built in because we all have the same goal, which is As a community, we want to respect, uplift, and support each other. Um, So it makes it a lot easier to see the bad apples because if that is our goal, the bad apples aren't going to be meeting those goals, right? Right. Um, But also being polyamorous, I can say, okay, well, I'm in these three very healthy relationships, but this one-fourth relationship is taking up all of my emotional and mental space It's draining me. It's making me unhappy. I'm constantly crying. I'm constantly in emotional turmoil. But what's the difference between this relationship and these other three relationships that are just fine, that have been just fine for years, right? So you start to see when a relationship is unhealthy, when a relationship is toxic. Um, And it makes it a lot easier to cut and run because you don't have that inherent loneliness drop um because you have other partners that you can go cuddle with that you can go talk to that you can cry with and be vulnerable with and have that support of people that you know care and love about uh care about you and love you i have a
1: practical question um just yeah. so when you mention it okay i'd like to know how long you've been involved in polyamory in those relationships mm-hmm. and the example you just gave say you're in four relationships three are strong one you have issues with would that be a circumstance where you speak with the whole all of your partners to discuss that or is that a private thing between you and the one person
2: you're having issues with so it depends on the issue it depends on your relationship with each individual partner um, and what your boundaries around talking about other relationships are Um, because some partners might say hey It's really emotionally taxing for me to discuss other relationships with you. I would really prefer if we just don't talk about other relationships. I know you have them. I encourage you to keep having them. I'm not upset that you have them. I just would prefer not to talk about them. Um, But there's other relationships where, okay, everything is on the table. We can talk about everything. We're best friends. Talk about anything. Be vulnerable with me. Let me know what's going on. And sometimes it's really kind of using your partner the same way that you might use your girlfriends or your like best friends of like having Mm -hmm. that like sounding board of, fuck, I'm I'm trying everything. Like, am am I crazy here? Like having that like check-in of like, am I the asshole? Am I being an asshole? Because if I'm being an asshole, tell me, right? And like, these are people who love and care about you. So they should be the people who would tell you. Yeah, you're being. a So oh, it's like asshole. a case
1: by case, and depending right. on your relationships with everybody. Yeah, I mean, got it. Right, am I right,
0: Vivica. That like there are certain folks who engage in polyamory, and they are they talk to each other about they talk to all of the partners about all of the partners. And then there yeah. are some people who engage in polyamory who say, "I don't want to hear about your other partners."
2: Is yeah. that true? So I am the first category. Mm -hmm. And then the second category is what we usually refer to as don't ask, don't tell. Um, I personally don't like engaging in don't ask, don't tell. Um, I recognize that there is some value to like having a little bit of a peace of mind, especially if you feel somewhat insecure in your relationship, having that, like, I just don't want to know. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Right. Um, And that comes with a lot of trust of saying, I know for a fact my partner is abiding by the rules. I know for a fact that my partner is being safe and being mindful of our like established boundaries. Um, and keeping all of that in mind, I can then move forward and say, I don't need to ask any questions. Um, the reason I personally don't like engaging in Don't Ask, Don't tell is because I go to a lot of sex positive events and I run into a lot of my partners at those events. With their other partners, and I really hate that awkward of feeling of not being able to greet my partner the way that I would greet them normally, yeah. because their other partner doesn't necessarily know that I'm one of their partners. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Personally, that's just a preference for me that I don't like. Um, but that isn't to say that it isn't. Working for other people, right? Like if that's your established boundary, if that's your like how you set your thing up, cool. Um, but whether or not you talk to your other partners about things going wrong, it's it's really just case by case, and whether or not you feel comfortable talking about that, and um, whether or not you feel like it might put a strain on the relationship um, that you're talking about or talking to.
1: You know, hearing you talk, I'm gonna throw this out there. What I find really healthy is in setting these boundaries and why I wanna read the books is I think it would be helpful in any relationship, you know, even with families, like when you're the way you're describing how you're setting what your limits are and what you can listen to, what you can't, what you wanna hear. I, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of power in that.
2: Yes, oh my God, yes. I love it. I love that the heart of my message is coming through. So if there's one fucking thing you take away from this conversation today, it is boundaries are fucking important. Yes. Yes. Boundaries.
0: Boundaries.
1: Boundaries. Yes. Um, They're empowering.
0: They're empowering and they're they're safe. And I think what I love about polyamory and what I'm learning is that that is the foundation. You, you. If you're doing polyamory in a healthy way, you're setting boundaries, you're communicating effectively, mm-hmm. um, you are from the beginning saying, I think we talked about this on our pre-call, Vivica, like mm-hmm. you sit down with the person initially that yeah. you are maybe interested in dating yeah. and you say to them, hey, I'm polyamorous, I whatever. I don't know how you describe this, Vivica. Um, oh, yeah. Maybe you could give that example because I thought that was really cool. yeah.
2: So- Uh, I think in, like, our, like, pre-talk, I mentioned that, like, for me, a first date always kind of feels like a job interview, right? Um, And Mm -hmm. I say that, and, like, I'm going to preface this by saying a job interview, when I'm talking about it, is an interview from both sides. The Mm -hmm. company, you, uh, are interviewing a potential uh, new recruit, but that new recruit is also interviewing you to see if they are if this is a company that is going to be a good fit for them overall, right? So it's an interview that goes both ways. So I'm prefacing the job interview uh, analogy by saying, I'm saying that this goes both ways, right? Okay, so when I sit down on a first date, one of the first things I tell someone before we finish that date is I am polyamorous, which means I have multiple other romantic relationships outside of you and i am not breaking up with a single one of those partners for okay. you okay if you're okay with that we can continue <laughs> if not we can be friends and move on interesting um that's awesome
1: you know what i was thinking when you were talking about even things in a monogamous relationship you know and you're talking about people's needs being met someone could say Damn it, technology! And those conversations need to be had.
0: Okay, hey, hey, we lost you. Someone could oh. say, and then what did you say?
1: Oh well, the, you could be saying, "I need to go out of this relationship to get other things that I'm not that aren't getting met." Mm-hmm. And what I love about that idea is, and you have everything on the table. Um, I was also thinking how you know some people are really flirty; it's just their natural nature. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean they're doing anything wrong, right. but the other person could feel. Um, uh, you know, inti- not intimidated, but, you know, uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. and then that could be discussed like where that other individual could be that way, but maybe not that way around. I don't know if I'm explaining it right around their other partner. I mean, there's so right. many aspects of this that I see that, yeah. you know, that I can see in the very beginning of our talk, how you said, um, people step out for these ridiculous reasons, you know, um, mm-hmm. and it ends up being a big mess when yeah. a lot of this would have been uh, resolved with the communication.
2: It's so funny that you say that because uh, as a polyamorous person, and this is like a running joke in the polyamorous community and really in the ethical non-monogamy community in general is that when we're watching like, like I have, I really cannot watch romantic comedies. Mm-hmm. Um, I and like like romance movies make me fucking sick. Mostly because <laughs> the plot of most rom-coms would be solved with polyamory, across the board. A mm-hmm. little, little love triangle plot, okay, a yeah. <laughs> kind of love triangle. So what, like polyamory, like plot yeah. twist. they were all polyamorous, happy ending. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that like one, society keeps shoving monogamy down our throats. So we have this idea that we have to make it work in monogamy or else, right? Mm-hmm. If you actually just look at it and say, well, fuck, I have these needs. I want these needs to be met. And I've spent X amount of my life trying to get these needs met to no avail by one singular person. What happens if I try to get individual needs met by individual people? And you find that when you spread your needs out to multiple people, no one gets overwhelmed. You don't feel like a burden to any one person. You can feel however vulnerable you want to feel with any one person. So even though I personally don't advocate for it, uh, it definitely helps with people with commitment issues, um, leaning into getting into a committed uh, relationship because you have that like out, if you will. And like, you kind of have that like, well, I'm not technically committed, but I am, but I'm not, because I'm kind of single, but I'm not, because I'm always open to dating, so like, I don't have to feel like I'm like shut down to anything. Um, I always joke about how, even though I have been in a long-term relationship with my primary partner for four and a half, almost five years now, um, I operate like a single person. Um, I live my life on a day-to-day basis almost like a single person so in the before times I'd go out to a bar and I'd be flirty and I might sit at a bar and like see a hot person and be like hey can I buy you a drink like can I like have a drink with you or whatever and like just sit there and flirt with them and I'd go home and like tell my partner oh my god I met this hot person at the bar earlier like we exchanged numbers and I'm hoping they call me right like so what like I was flirting with someone I'm excited excited about flirting with someone, but that doesn't diminish the love and respect and care that I have for each one of my partners. You know what I mean? I have the bandwidth to say I want to love multiple people. I have the ability to put my time, effort, energy, and focus on multiple people. So why run on dial up when I have 5g so
0: I want to I want to touch on this because Vivica when we talked about this before I thought this was super super interesting I remember asking you the question about like well what about like the time like isn't it really a lot of work to have one relationship you know what I mean like so like do we really have time for this with considering our current society um, which links back again to a lot of what we talk about yeah. on rethinking Humanity, like we got to yeah. sh- change it because we don't have time to live and be right. But when you speak to that, the whole idea, uh, the question of like, but is this really feasible because of the time element?
2: Right. So one of the first things that. Uh, I have to say, obviously about that, and it is a huge joke again in the non-monogamous community is that the hardest part of polyamory is uh, synchronizing your Google calendars. (laughs) It's like, once you figure out how to synchronize your Google (laughs) calendars, everything else runs a lot more smoothly. Um, I am really fortunate because I live kind of that bohemian artist lifestyle. Um, I have mostly been doing like gigs and, like freelance work for so long that like I have a lot more um, random downtime and random free time available to me at odd moments uh, that most other people might not. So I have a lot more free time available to me to dedicate to a relationship. Um, and because of that, I have the ability to have more relationships. Um, so I recognize that not everyone has that time frame. not everyone has the ability to do that. Um, But also, it's really about figuring out what you want to prioritize, right? So if you want to make time for a relationship, you will find the time for that relationship. If you can find time for an affair, you can find time for a whole healthy relationship where everyone's above board, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really just a matter of figuring out what scheduling situations works for you, finding uh, partners that work within your schedule and that obviously meet your needs. And that in itself is already a fun challenge. Um, But timing is really everything. And one of the best things that you can do is even if you aren't sure that you want to open your relationships or you want to open your relationships, but you're not sure if you have the time for right now in those downtime moments, look into the resources of ethical non-monogamy read the ethical split read more than two uh read insecure and in love and get ready to be able to prioritize that time because once you have the resources and the knowledge in the background and you know what needs you want met you know what boundaries you're willing to set what boundaries you're willing to be flexible on um and what obviously what you're not willing to be flexible on um Once you know that in your mind, you have that in your mind, everything else starts running a lot smoother. Um, And it takes a lot less time to engage with someone because you can sit down and say, oh, okay, well, here's what I'm looking for. And your resume doesn't quite fit. I would love for us to still be friends, but like right now I don't have time to prioritize someone in my schedule who doesn't fit this, right? So,
1: sorry to interrupt you. No, I just had a practical question for those. Okay, so you tell the story that you go out to a bar, you're flirting with someone, you come home, you tell your partner of long-term will say that you were out, it was fun, you were flirting with someone, maybe they'll call you. Let Mm. me ask you, does your partner or any partner, I guess, obviously there's no jealousy issues Mm. with that. See, Mm. how how does that play out? And does the partner think, you can't see the bubble around the head, ooh, is she gonna fall for this person and then replace me? Or, I'm sure you guys have talked about all this, so I'm just curious how
2: that plays out. I'm so, so, so glad you asked this question. And this is one of the reasons why I absolutely recommend reading The Ethical Slut, reading Insecure in Love, especially um, for this particular question, is Insecure in Love 100% answers this question. in order to get to the point where I can text my partner and say, oh my God, I just met this like hot person. Oh my God, we were flirting and it was so cute. We have already addressed our insecurities in our relationship. We've already addressed Mm -hmm. the insecurities that cause jealousy. I have sat with myself and I've had moments of jealousy and I'm not gonna tell you that like once you become polyamorous, (laughs) jealousy like fucks out the window. Absolutely not. This is an ongoing process that I work on on a daily basis. And, like, even now, there are times in my relationship, like, just last year, my primary partner and I, like, we were living together at the beginning of the quarantine um, for three months. And they had uh, another partner that they were seeing that was long distance, obviously in a different country, so not seeing face-to-face, not, like, spending physical Mm -hmm. time with but I was still getting jealous of the amount of emotional vulnerability that they were getting that I wasn't receiving. So we had to sit down and have a conversation about where I felt like I wasn't being prioritized or where I felt like my needs weren't getting met in that moment. Um, and we were able to move past that and get through that. And I was able to voice, okay, what what can I do to feel like my needs are being met? What What can be done to feel like these needs are being met right um so it's not that jealousy doesn't exist it absolutely exists in non-monogamy it absolutely exists in polyamory it's just addressed in non-monogamy because it has to be if you don't address the jealousy all of your relationships will fail and Mm. it's even more devastating to have five breakups at once than just one but (laughs) If you can have all five of those breakups be avoided by just addressing your insecurities and just addressing your jealousy, one like hard conversation with yourself and one awkward conversation with whichever partner or whichever partners are triggering this insecurity mm-hmm. fixes everything or at it's least fixes everything. You know
1: what I love about this? I just have to say one thing. It's so powerful is the fact that you are addressing this. So I think of a monogamous relationship when there are issues of jealousy or whatever, you know, the flirting. What does the person say to the other? Hey, I'm married to you. Like, get over yeah. it. Like, yeah, basically, so we don't have married. to talk about it because I'm wearing.
2: Yep. <laughs> oh,
0: no. Did we lose her again? <laughs> say say it again you don't have to worry about this because i'm wearing a ring
1: yeah (laughs) and i was like it's uh, so that like you know no communication i married you you know what
2: i mean yeah and just just because you're married everyone sees this and of course like you go into marriage of the death do you part right but like the reality of that situation is divorce is more common than uh now than it has Mm -hmm. been um and right now divorce rates are actually dropping because the people who are getting married are getting married so intentionally and they are getting married with the realization of this might not be forever but i want this to try to be forever and they're trying to make it work and they have a lot more resources available to them to make this work than they did potentially a generation or so ago right um but it's also just it's it's weird because you want to say, oh, you know, these things don't happen. Jealousy doesn't happen, fuck that. Like you have to be real and you have to be like upfront because we all get jealous. We are all emotional creatures. We all get insecure and being able to be vulnerable with your partner and say, hey, I'm feeling really insecure about this thing right now. That should be what your partner is for. That level of vulnerability should be why you're dating them. Yeah. And, and I
1: think the, uh, yeah, um, the emotional affairs, I think, are common now with the online more than uh, the physical because whatever, the physical is the physical, but the
2: emotional thing is huge. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially because a lot of people feel like they're not having their emotional needs validated. And in a lot of, monogamous culture especially like toxic monogamy culture the kind of thing that you see like in the movies the kind of thing that is pushed especially in small towns and like in small communities of like you know the goal is to get married and have babies above all else you gotta have them babies right and you can't have them out of wedlock because god's watching okay so, You gotta have those married babies, gotta have those married babies. And so you have everyone in your community Mm -hmm. uplifting the idea of keeping a couple together for Mm -hmm. ideation of having babies from that couple without, but completely ignoring, are those, is that couple actually happy together? Is that couple going to provide a happy, stable, healthy, like home environment? or whatever child they bring into this world, because if they are emotionally fucking distraught by the time they get pregnant, that's not going, a pregnancy isn't just magically gonna fucking fix it. Like how many people (laughs) have we seen get divorced while their kids are still in like school, right? How many people have we seen get divorced or like how many people have we seen just walk out of a fucking relationship when the kid's not even five years old, right? So. Just because you have a kid doesn't mean it's going to fix the relationship. What fixes a relationship is communication and mm-hmm. honesty and just being upfront and vulnerable with your partner and saying, fuck, I'm not okay here. Mm-hmm. How can we fix this? Can mm-hmm. we fix this? Or does this need to end? Mm-hmm.
0: I would venture to say that a lot of uh, divorces could be saved from happening if folks took a more if folks are more open to being polyamorous uh, and solving the problem that way that the the home isn't shattered by um, cheating or, you know. Th- infidelity
2: of things. some sort. Because right. that emotional infidelity that Sonia mentioned, that is that's coming from not only your needs not being met, but feeling validated by someone other than your partner and when you don't feel validated in your relationship you are going to seek that validation out somewhere we need validation as humans we are social creatures we need social validation so you're going to seek it out one way or another and if you feel like you're not being validated in your relationship one of the first things you need to do is say fuck i need this validation i need to." to my partner very clearly and very openly and very honestly this needs to be a priority to them or it's going to destroy our relationship because if this validation is not being received eventually it's going to eat at you and you're going to start resenting your partner and you're going to start looking for that validation elsewhere and you're going to be even more resentful of your partner when you get that validation elsewhere
0: yeah it's so true. I, I just love how <laughs> how communication is the bedrock of this whole thing. It's, it's yes. In- incredible.
2: Yes, absolutely. And so communication and boundaries are really just all it fucking breaks down to. And that is something that translates to all relationships, whether it is a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, a work relationship, even just a casual acquaintance. You have to have boundaries and you have to have open communication with the people that you're dealing with so Mm -hmm. that everyone can be on the same page and so that everyone can work towards the same end goal together with informed consent.
1: Yeah, I love the fact that you're bringing this across the board to all relationships. So true. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what people need to hear (laughs) the boundaries and communication.
0: Yeah, so. One one other question we I asked sure. in our initial um, chat is there a certain type of person that this works better for than others? Um, I know like I definitely echo your sentiments of like whatever works for you. You know nobody's mm-hmm. poo pooing on monogamy today. Right. We're like nope. saying if that's what you want and you're doing it because you want to and you it's ha- it makes you happy. Great. No mm-hmm. nobody
2: Absolutely.
0: Right. So, so that being the case, putting us in a place of empowerment about being able to choose what can you speak to a little bit of like, what type of people does this work well for based on your experience? Maybe does it really work well for, and is that just a myth? Does it work well for everybody if they want it to?
2: So it really works well for anyone who feels, like they would be unfulfilled in monogamy, or who feels like they would be uncomfortable being tied down to just one person. One of the biggest things that I had like commitment issues with was feeling tied and stuck with just one person, right? I'm a hedonist, and I'm also pansexual. So, yeah. <laughs> That's so perfect. I know. Um, so for me, it being monogamous makes no sense because I would have to cut off a huge part of my sexuality alone just to feel like I'm abiding by the rules of a relationship. So I think that like someone who is bi or pansexual would probably benefit from this. But I don't think that just being bi or pansexual is default reason to get into non-monogamy. I think it really just boils down to, is this right for you? Only you would know. And I don't think that there's any particular group of people uh, that this fits better than others. Um, I'm not even sure if there is a better, like a group of people that monogamy fits better than others. Okay, well, ma'am. Mm. Knocking the camera, so yeah, I I really just think it's taking a moment to kind of do a little self reflection and a little soul searching and say, Am I happy and being fulfilled in my monogamous relationships? If not, do I feel like I would be fulfilled in non monogamy? If so, let me take a look into it, let me read a book, let me see if like this might be a thing. That Self-awareness,
0: I might baby. That's the root of it all. Yes. Yeah. It's
2: really just about figuring out what works best for you and how to best have your needs met and fulfilled. Because if that's monogamy, great. Absolutely. Find that one person for you and have a wonderful, happy, fulfilling relationship with that person with lots of healthy boundaries and lots of healthy communication. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) That's what counts, really. Yeah. How how many people, do you know any statistics about how many folks are engaging in ethical non-monogamy?
2: I don't know the statistics. I would say that ethical non-monogamy seems to be kind of on the rise because it's getting a lot more... uh, Publicity in the media, you have um, you have movies uh, and TV shows like She's All That um, by Spike Lee, which is about a black queer polyamorous woman. Um, I will say as a black queer polyamorous woman, she's a really bad example of polyamory in the show, but not in the movie. Um, in the show, she acts without consent quite often. And she doesn't give her partners like the ability to have informed consent about meeting each other. There's a lot of things, not the greatest representation, but the fact that there is representation at all. We look at The Expanse, which is one of the hypest shows on Mm. uh, TV right now. And they show that one of their main characters, their parents were polyamorous and had a polycule. They show that like polyamory happens in the belt. They show polyamory as being a very valid and viable relationship choice that no one questions and no one sees as weird or strange or out of the ordinary. Mm -hmm. And having that visibility of saying, oh yeah, this is an option for people and it's just as viable and it's uh, it's just as real and just as ethical as monogamy, if not more so because you're choosing this and you are walking into this with a clear mind and you are making a very conscious decision to engage in ethical non-monogamy. Whereas because monogamy itself is a societal default, you aren't really making a conscious choice so much as you're just kind of doing what you're told.
1: Yeah I love the fact you use the words societal default. Yeah. Because we are looking at rethinking society, rethinking humanity and so that's yes. that's part of that process. Um so I would say based on what I've heard from you today is that people should start with this the books like the Ethical Slut, what mm-hmm. was the other one? Can you repeat those? Yeah, so The Ethical Slut, More Than Two,
2: and Insecure in Love.
1: Yeah. Three good titles to start with, uh, on their journey.
2: Um, yeah.
1: And Lacey brought up what was yours? Lacey, uh, Sex, Sex Dawn. Dawn
0: by Christopher
1: Ryan. Okay. So we've got four good titles out there.
0: There you go. Um, yeah.
1: I have learned so much. In fact, because I'm a total book reader, I'm going to get those books. Yeah.
2: Yes. And and awesome. Obviously feel free to reach out to me and like, yes. we have like a little side book club about it because, oh, yeah, um, I just, uh, we just ordered all of these books for the Fun Time Program Studio. Wow! So John and I are going to be reading these books in the background. Um, I've already read The Ethical Slut, um, but I haven't read more than two. But ton of a ton of my friends um, and a lot of my sex positive and polyamorous friends have all recommended all of these books over and over and over mm. and over again, and it has just been pounded into me that like these are the gold standard books if you're looking to explore ethical non-monogamy. Cool.
0: Tell us again um, where everybody can find you if they want to follow you and um, follow the program.
2: Yes. So if you want to check out the Funtime Program, we are on all social media at the Funtime Program, or I'm sorry, at Funtime Program. Um, So Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Funtime Program. Um, We also have a website, funtimeprogram.com, and you can find links to all of our social media as well as any podcast app. So You can find us on any and all podcast apps, Um, Mm -hmm. wherever you listen, you can find us. You can also find us on YouTube uh, where we do a video format of all of our episodes. We also do clips, um, like short clips of all of our episodes on our YouTube as well. Um, If you want to follow me personally on Instagram, I'm at goddess of electricity. Um, on, yes. uh, I'm very happy to talk about electricity on a whole different day. And we just did a whole episode on our podcast that's going to be coming out um, in a day or two, uh, talking with another fellow podcaster from the Sex Insanity podcast. Um, Ooh. Yeah, she's from Ghana. And so we were just talking about all kinds of fun sex things, including. Uh, electricity where I give a full electro demo. So that's gonna be really fun. Nice. Um,
0: nice.
2: On Twitter you can find me at Goddess TriV. So that's Goddess T-R-I V is in Victor. Um, so try like three V. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to Venmo me, same at Goddess <laughs> 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 um, Tri V. Yeah, we gotta yeah. do that. Yeah. <laughs> um And if you want to follow me on Twitch, uh, I'm also a gamer, hashtag gamer girl. Uh, uh, You can find me uh, twitch.tv slash Vivica underscore Volt. So if you you? want to watch me play some really popular games kind of badly. (laughs) Nice.
0: Very good. Well, this has been amazing and really enlightening. I hope that everybody that's listening has enjoyed it. Um, and we appreciate you, Vivica, and happy Valentine's Day. We hope oh you have a great day. Oh,
2: my gosh. You. I, like you too. Yeah. I appreciate you guys as well. Obviously, so we love your podcast. Thank and you. I can't wait to have you guys back on. Yeah. Cool. So, been- thank you again for having me.
0: Yeah, for sure. We will um, We'll definitely be in touch soon. And we hope all of you out there Blast have me. a great day. Yes. Happy Valentine's Day.
1: Happy Valentine's Day. Yay. Yeah.
0: Thanks for watching.